Your host today is Nora Amer, a researcher in culture and media studies and a PhD candidate in the Department of Sociology at Lancaster University. Nora's research aims to gain a deeper understanding of data journalism, associated opportunities and challenges. Welcome back to another episode of What is the Future of Education podcast. I am your host, Nora Amir, and today we are in for an enlightening journey. Our guest today is Professor Massimo Leon. Professor Leon is a full professor in philosophy of communication, cultural semiotics, and visual semiotics at the Department of Philosophy and Educational Sciences at University of Train, Italy. Not only that, he serves as the fast director for research at the same institution. His influence in the realm of education extends across continents, as he also imparts his expertise as a part-time professor of semiotics in the Department of Chinese Language and Literature at the University of Shanghai, China. And today we have the privilege of tipping into Professor Leon's vast expertise as we explore the vision of semiotics and education, how the study of signs and symbols can change our approach to learning and teaching. Hello, Professor, and welcome. Hello, Nora. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're really excited for our conversation. Let's start with this. Uh, let's dip into the world of semiotics. Could you provide us with a brief overview of what uh, semiotics entails and its significance, particularly in the context of education? Uh, we're really interested to learn about also your research interest with this field. Yes, yeah, semiotics is a mysterious name, but uh, the object of uh, semiotics is part of our life, of our everyday life. Semiotics studies science, and science uh, are the fundamental constituent elements of communication, signification, meaning. So everything that has meaning can be studied by semiotics. Uh, that's really interesting. And what about your uh, research? What do you find is really interesting to study it about it? Well, uh, throughout the uh, many years, I should say, of studying semiotics, uh, I have applied this um, discipline to many objects. I've uh, studied as a scholar of uh, religious studies, so it was important for me to understand better the meaning of religions, uh, the meaning of um, religious images, religious rituals, religious narratives. And um, I use semiotics as a methodology to analyze all these texts, these discourses, these signs, and the uh, answers that I could find uh, were different from the answers that uh, are usually given by other more established disciplines like history or sociology or psychology. I was interested in, in meaning in how religious artifacts and texts and rituals uh, convey uh, meaning and uh, how this meaning is important to shape religious communities. But then, uh, throughout the years, this object uh, has been transformed because the world 
was changing and, and transforming. Uh, since um, September 11, uh, religion became uh, a very controversial element in uh, many societies. And uh, so I started to apply semiotics not only to the study of historical religious cultures, uh, but also to the contemporary world. Uh, I began to study religious fundamentalism and conversion to religious fundamentalism. I had studied um, religious conversion in, in uh, uh, the past as a historical fact, concentrating on religious conversion in the early modern world in the 16th century, 17th century. But then I uh, somehow used that knowledge in order to try to better understand why people would uh, convert to extremist, fundamentalist um, uh, versions of uh, religion and faith. And, uh, and I realized that uh, it was very important to study not only traditional texts and forms of communication, but also uh, new channels new devices, uh, the digital uh, communication of religion was becoming more and more important. So it was through that particular uh, interest that I developed a, a very keen uh, focus on digital communication and the way it can be used to persuade, to uh, convey meaning, to um, shape minds and, and communities. And, uh, and then uh, in uh, 2018, I had a, an idea. Um, I realized that uh, there was something very important that I really, uh, I really wanted to study, something that was all around me, that was fundamental in, in the world in which I was living. But uh, it was at the same time very common, very straightforward, and very mysterious and this this element was uh, was the face the human face um i i started realizing that the face was changing its meaning because it was represented in in different ways not only in the religious field but also in other um aspects of society you know i was surrounded more and more by digital faces so I asked myself, you know, like, what, what is the meaning of these digital faces? And how is the meaning of the face changing uh, through the fact that we are digitalizing it more and more? And that opened an enormous new way of uh, research to, to myself. And then I, you know, applied for a very important uh, research grant to the European Research Council. I was lucky enough to win that grant. And so I um, uh, then shaped a team of about you know, 15 people, young researchers who have been studying uh, the, the face uh, from 2019 until now. And in those years, something happened that was terrible, tragic, a catastrophe. But at the same time, uh, it showed even more the importance of that uh, intuition the pandemic, the pandemic started, and uh, and the face was a central element of that event because, uh, on the one hand, we could not show uh, our faces uh, to other human beings because we had to mask ourselves because of COVID, 
And on the other hand, uh, the face was more and more, even more digitalized. We never actually went back to what the face was before the pandemic. Um, and uh, that leads also to my interest in uh, the digital face in education, you know, how face-to-face uh, -face education is being replaced by online form of communication, what kind of impact it can have um, uh, on the shaping of learning and teaching teaching communities. Sorry, it was a little bit long, but you know, it was a long path to describe and to and to just to give a hint of. How can we integrate semiotics into teaching methods to help students better understanding and engage with their subjects? Oh, this is a good question. Uh, well, semiotics can be used at different levels. Uh, you know, in a way, um, you can understand uh, in, uh, semiotics, uh, you can interpret semiotics as a kind of uh, a empowered linguistics. You know, we all know linguistics and, uh, and the way it, it studies um, human language, you know, verbal language, and also some aspects of human language that uh, um, are not only uh, syntax, and semantics, pragmatics, so the way we put together words, the way we mean through words, the way we act into the world through words. Um, uh, but also some other aspects of the way we gesture, the way we present ourselves to other people, the way uh, we stay in space, in time, and the way we use devices. So uh, if we conceive semiotics like that as a sort of empowered uh, linguistics, more encompassing linguistics, then uh, that kind of reflection that uh, semiotics uh, allows become fundamental in a world in which uh, teaching and learning are activities that are not only word-based anymore. Uh, they are more and more based on the use of non-verbal elements, non-verbal languages, um, texts that are not only verbal but also uh, visual and acoustic and, uh, and more and more the use of a very complex digital devices. Um, how can you uh, analyze, study uh, the way in which uh, teaching and learning education more in general will take place in virtual reality, for example, in the metaverse, or the way in which uh, it is uh, going through uh, the current digital uh, social media? Well, I would say that um, many disciplines are studying this, you know, including psychology, sociology, all the social sciences, but semiotics is particularly um, uh, equipped to, uh, to study this, this new um, educational arena because it has always focused on uh, intersections uh, it has always focused on uh, the mingling and uh, intertwining of different media and discourses in the convey of meaning. So um, I would say that in order to better reflect on this very complex arena that is educational arena nowadays, we need a very flexible discipline, discipline that gives you a framework, a theoretical framework, 
but at the same time is able to uh, very swiftly adapt to the change of, of times. You know, um, the situation at the moment is that our students uh, know much more about technology than we do <laughs> in most circumstances. They are on social media that uh, are usually social media that we don't uh, frequent because uh, you know each. Digital generation now lasts a few years, if not a few months. So everything is, is changing with a very fast pace. And uh, we need a, a discipline that uh, is not overwhelmed by that change. So this is the first level, I would say. You know, it's a, a discipline, a semiotics, I mean, that uh, can help you to develop a flexible framework of understanding in rapidly changing times. That's really interesting. And as we explore the power of cinematics in education, visual and multimodal elements come into play, as you mentioned. How can educator effectively harness these elements to enrich the learning journey? Well, um... I will give, I will disclose some elements, contextual elements uh, of our conversation, which is happening in the digital space. But at the same time, you know, I'm talking to you from, from Italy, from Turin, where my home, where my you know main university is. Um, you are talking to me from a different uh, a geographical and cultural space. So uh, one of the most interesting declinations of semiotics is called cultural semiotics, uh, which develops a specific attention to the way in which media outlets, uh, texts, um, uh, but also and especially uh, unconventional ways of communicating like uh, images, uh, digital um, uh, new uh, apparatuses, memes, uh, and so on and so forth, change, change their meaning um, depending on the cultural setting. Think about images, for instance. Uh, we take images for granted. We take images of the body for granted. But um, uh, how different is the concept of the image of the human body if you travel from, let's say, Western Europe to Northern Africa or to Saudi Arabia or to Thailand or to Latin America, you come across different ways of understanding the body, different way of representing the body, and also, and especially, different mm, semiotic ideologies. Semiotic ideology is a very important concept. It means uh, implicit and explicit ways in which communities understand language, meaning, and science. So there are some communities in which the fact of representing the human body is an everyday activity. You know, the, the human body is represented uh, in every possible circumstance. Um, the um, uh, civilizations and cultures that are influenced predominantly by Christianity are so used to see their main um, deity represented in paintings, in uh, uh, frescoes, in all sorts of images. But think about those civilizations in which the deity is not represented and must not be represented. The relation with images and the relation 
with the way in which they can represent the body is completely different. So if you develop some global educational uh, platforms uh, or a curricula that must address a very multifarious, multi-faith, multicultural audience, then you have to take into account the fact that uh, there is this, this different um, sensibility towards images, especially in relation to what they um, represent, they might or might not represent. And cultural semiotics is a discipline that, together with other more traditional disciplines like um, ethnomethodology or anthropology, it goes into the main uh, structures uh, that in cultures uh, influence this understanding of images, this sensibility toward representation. So uh, on the one hand, uh, we can use semiotics to study multimodal texts, but at a more um, abstract and uh, more encompassing level, we can also try to understand how our cultures broadly influence the way we even conceive of multimodality, uh, the way in which we conceive of sounds, images, the way we conceive of touch, the way also in which we conceive of space and time. Uh, these are also coordinates that uh, are a, absolutely fundamental in the way in which uh, education is taking shape nowadays. Um, let me give you an example. It is a, a very common when I teach in China uh, at the University of Shanghai to uh, talk for long hours, uh, even two hours, and then uh, never being interrupted by my students uh, and never receiving any questions from my students. Uh, and this is not because my students in China are not interested or because they're not clever, they're super clever and they're very interested and they can, I can see it from uh, the papers that they deliver for, for, for the final exam. It's just that asking questions, which seems a, a very common activity in universities in, let's say, Western Europe, even more in the United States, um, it is underpinned by a different semiotic ideology in other contexts. You know, if you teach in the United States, you know, I teach sometimes in California or in other um, US states. I've been a visiting professor at the University of Berkeley and half of the class is actually um, uh, basically provided by students with their interventions and their questions and their comments. Um, but in other cultural settings, asking a question might mean that you are trying to stand out in relation to other students and in relation to a community. So it means that uh, that behavior is considered as too egocentric. And that's why people do not ask questions. Or in other cultures, asking a question might uh, imply the fact that you don't know the answer, so you haven't studied enough, and so you're ignorant. And so. That's why some people in other cultural contexts, they don't ask questions. So this is to say that uh, something that is very common in every educational setting, 
the fact that the student asks a question is actually underpinned by a cultural and semiotic ideology. Semiotic ideology means the meaning of what, what a question is, that uh, we would be very surprised if we uh, delve into this complexity through semiotics and see what a question means in different parts of the world. So hearing about your diverse experience teaching different cultures in different countries may lead us to ask about what happened today in diverse classrooms. So how teachers can use semiotics to ensure that their teaching materials are inclusive and include everyone? Well, I think uh, the first uh, um, activity is to develop a, a very a thorough analysis of those materials and many of our colleagues uh, around the world are more and more engaged in a branch of semiotics which is called edu semiotics and edu semiotics is exactly uh, the analysis of texts and other materials not only verbal text but also images multimodal and multimedia um, a discourses uh, or, or um, uh, devices that are used in order to convey meaning for educational purposes. And um, uh, in order to uh, carry on this analysis, uh, first of all, it is very important to understand the cultural setting in which these documents and texts and materials are used um, so to understand the spatial and temporal coordinates the cultural coordinates of this text and then it is important also to uh, go into detail and try to understand what kind of cultural presuppositions are conveyed through educational materials because there are no neutral educational materials of course and all educational materials have a cultural background and no matter how they try to be aseptic and to be neutral and to uh, be unbiased they um, tend to convey a certain mentality together with uh, the education contents that they convey um, I'll, I'll give you an example, which is, is a very microscopic uh, example, but uh, it's going to help probably our listeners to uh, understand. Uh, when I was a young student, um, I wanted to learn French because uh, I had to uh, engage in a study abroad period in Paris. And uh, uh, so at that time, uh, there were no online courses or digital courses. So you, you went uh, usually uh, through the traditional way. So you would go to a library and, uh, and look for a, a grammar and a dictionary or, or a textbook. And as, as this is exactly what I did. You know, I went to the uh, local library of the um, little town in southern Italy where I was spending my uh, summer together with my family. Uh, but it was a small library and the only textbook of, of French I could uh, come across was a, um, a French grammar published in the 1930s. And, uh, and of course, you know, that was the basis of my, of my French, which uh, I think I learned pretty well uh, because the grammar of, of French hasn't changed so much since 1930s. But uh, if I think... If I think at the, about the examples 
the sentences that were in, in that grammar, in that French grammar, um, uh, were, uh, well, they were really um, appalling because they were imbued with a uh, what we would call now chauvinism and nationalism and even fascism um so there were uh, really uh, unacceptable sentences about uh, you know the role of women in family and the, the the way children should behave and the authority of uh, you know the parents over children and so on and so forth um, so this is to say that uh, uh, one of the purposes of edusemiotics is also to understand the fact that uh, together with the education uh, of uh, a, a precise um, uh, contents, there is a lot that pass, which is a presupposed, which is um, uh, in many circumstances even a, a, a something we're not completely aware of and not the, even the authors of textbooks and grammars are aware of so a, an external perspective a, it is what is needed in order to unearth these biases and try to understand what kind of educational settings we are transmitting from generation to, gen, to generation uh by adopting and using the um teaching materials that that we do that's really interesting but let's go back a little bit when you talk about um, how technology change our way to to teach or to learn so with that what consideration should be made regarding the semiotics of online resource and learning platforms well, this is a, a brand new uh, world. Uh, digital resources uh, have been there for a long time now. But the real novelty is, of course, uh, artificial intelligence. Um, I remember as a student when um, there were no emails. I remember that uh, when I was a student, a, a fellow student of mine who was a a genius, you know, a local Steve Jobs. Uh, he provided all the other students with the first email service himself, not university, by setting up a server. And I remember how I could uh, uh, get in contact with uh, a U.S. professor at the time. I was in Italy, he was in the U.S., and ask him a question about a paper I was writing. So that was fantastic. You know, that was the beginning of, of the internet and uh, it looked like uh, there were no limits to our ability to develop a collective knowledge, you know, and then Wikipedia came and, you know, of course we cannot even imagine the world of knowledge how it was before. Certainly we would not survive as scholars, not only as students, but also as scholars not even a single hour without uh, all these wonderful uh, materials and and uh, opportunities that the digital world has endowed us with um at the same time uh, more and more we receive papers from our students but also papers from our colleagues uh, that are presumably written in cooperation with uh, artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is entering more and more uh, our own way of producing culture, uh, producing meaning, 
producing intelligence and interaction, uh, intelligent interaction with our uh, fellow human beings. Um, so I think that one of the purposes of semiotics will be to uh, really analyze what happens when uh, uh, human intelligence and uh, the so-called artificial intelligence uh, in synergy work together for the production of meaning and uh, for a, um, opportunities and settings of communication. Um, it is fundamental to understand uh, what kind of alchemy takes place in that encounter of the human mind and the artificial mind. Um, I would say that it is one of the most urgent tasks of semiotics nowadays. This is why, uh, especially in the last uh, like four or five years, I have focused more and more on the semiotics of artificial intelligence and uh, on the particular characteristics of meaning that is created uh, with the help of artificial intelligence or by um, artificial intelligence on its own. I'm not talking only about uh, verbal text, but also images and sounds and more and more also complex, complex text. So uh, this is, I think, one of the challenges I had for you know all disciplines but especially for semiotics and i would say that uh, given its flexibility and the um, uh, subtle uh, character of its uh, methodological framework semiotics can stand this challenge yes i agree with you that uh, artificial intelligence is a blessing and also a challenge i think how can how can semiotics help us to to develop students' uh, critical thinking skills. I mean, if they are using all these um, materials that help them to do their homework or assignments or etc., do, do you think uh, semiotics um, can play uh, a role in giving um, skills, critical thinking skills to, to students? I guess so, but uh, it is also important that uh, critical skills are uh, given to uh, the creators of artificial intelligence, because you see, artificial intelligence is very complex in its uh, working and uh, in the, uh, I would say, quite mysterious ways in which it produces meaning. Uh, it is very difficult to explain the explicability of artificial intelligence. This is one of the dilemmas of the, the current era. So uh, it is certainly important to um, transmit to students the idea that uh, these are very powerful instruments that can be used to enhance the reach of our communication and that they can be used for the benefits of human communities. But at the same time, um, uh, there are also instruments that involve a whole series of um, ethical risks. Um, but even more, uh, and I would say all the more, it is important to uh, transmit this awareness to those who produce the algorithms of artificial intelligence, and not only those who produce them today, because they're not very easy to, to reach. You know, they work in big laboratories around the world. Um, and they also have a, a mentality that is, uh, you know, shaped already. Uh, I think it is important to um, uh, help the 
engineers or other specialists that will produce or co-produce the artificial intelligence of the future develop this kind of sensibility. This is why I think that uh, one of the uh, challenges, a second big challenge for, for education in the future will be to um, try to, um, I, would, I wouldn't say eliminate, but at least shorten the gap between um, social sciences and humanities on the one hand and uh, engineering and technical sciences on the other hand. It will be very important to uh, teach semiotics to engineers and not only to social scientists and humanists. Um, and it, it will be important also for semioticians to know a little bit more about um, computer science and um, engineering, electrical engineering. It is difficult, I know, but uh, it is difficult because our you know, curricula do not allow us to bridge the gap so so often. Um, but definitely, definitely in the future will be very important uh, to uh, have this kind of gap uh, bridged or at least abridged um, because, uh, you know, computer scientists are and uh, will be more and more in the future the new uh, authors of the frameworks through which uh, societies uh, has uh, have meaning and also education of course uh, circulate and take place so it would be very important to um, uh, include those authors those technical authors in the discourse about what kind of frameworks um, algorithmic frameworks uh, we will want in in the future for our um, meaning to emerge also through this you know complex um, uh, technical networks and apparatuses that uh, are um, more and more uh, surrounding us artificial intelligence will be uh, a very important element in every uh, educational setting in the future at the moment uh, it is something that is present especially in some settings in some geographical areas uh, in some uh, socio-economic contexts uh, and also um, in some linguistic context i would say but uh, it will be important to uh, develop this kind of sensibility because uh, uh, it will be I would say more and more a global presence in the um, uh, creation and transmission of educational contents worldwide. It seems like we reach out the end of the episode. It was really interesting talk with uh, Professor Massimo Loyo about semiotics and education. Thank you so much, Professor. Thank you, Nora. It was a pleasure talking to you.